Acts chapter 3, in the book of Acts. What a very powerful, powerful New Testament book this is. The actions of the Holy Ghost through the church. Say with me, the actions of the Holy Ghost through the church. The title in your scripture may be the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really some of the Acts of some of the Apostles. It's not all of the Acts of any of the Apostles. It's some of the Acts of some of the Apostles. It's the actions of Jesus. The actions of the Holy Ghost through His body, the church. So we've already looked at chapter 1 and chapter 2. And uh, I have really not anticipated the length of these messages. You know, we've been here for hours in these first two chapters, and I had not anticipated the length of these messages, but the Lord is good, and He is speaking to us through His Word, and I'm very excited about the book of Acts. So we're going to the third chapter of the book of Acts today. And uh, before we do that, let's look at verse 43 of chapter 2. Because at this point we see a community of spiritual beings. People who have been filled with the Spirit of the living Lord Jesus. And these people have been plunged into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, having been filled with His Spirit. This people is a community of spiritual people who have been Christed or who have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. This community is a community of signs and wonders. Signs and wonders were normal for that New Testament church. Everybody please stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, 2.43, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by who? The apostles. The apostles. They were done by who? The apostles. the apostles. Let me read again, verse 43 of chapter 2. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So who did it? The apostles or Jesus? Okay. Good answer. <laughs> I want you to see that. Verse 43 again, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Again, chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Say they went up, they up. Together. together. Peter and John. Verse 2, A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand 
and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled, or they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened. Look at verse 10 again. They knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to, be, to let him go, but ye denied the Holy One and the just and de desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom ye see and know yea the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all and now brethren I would that through ignorance you did it as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days. Say, of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kingdoms of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you. We stand in awe and anticipation of what you're going to do in the midst of us this morning. Lord, we remove from our minds and our hearts all doubt and all unbelief. We stand in your presence, exercising our faith in you, your word, your name. So be glorified in everything this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. God is good. So at this point, the church is in full swing. 
Wow. Great things are happening. Signs and wonders are being done by the hands of the apostles. And we're going to witness in chapter 3 the first healing miracle of the New Testament church after it was founded or started. The first healing miracle in the New Testament church is recorded in Acts chapter 3. Say with me, the first healing miracle recorded in the book of Acts is in chapter 3. It will set the stage for persecution. Persecution of the church by the religious leaders and it will set the stage for Peter's second message to be preached. It will set the stage for the church to be refilled with new power from God. So this is the background. Now we look at chapter 3, the Bible tells us that Peter and John are going up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Now you can expect something about to happen. Because these people are in the kingdom of God. They're filled with the power of God. They're filled with the Spirit of God. So you know something is about to happen here. You believe that? The Bible tells us they're going up to the temple in the hour of prayer. It's about what hour? It's the ninth hour. So it's three o'clock in the afternoon. That would be the time of the evening sacrifice. The first thing I want you to notice is that when they go up to the temple, they're not going up to the temple to sacrifice. They understand they are no longer under the old covenant ceremonial sacrificial system. They are a new people. It's a brand new thing that God has done. The church has been set up in the earth. They're in new covenant days. They have a new priesthood. Not an old priesthood. They're under Melchizedek priesthood. You understand? They are utterly convinced that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. They are utterly convinced that He has ascended up to sit on the right hand of God Almighty. They are utterly convinced that He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. They are utterly convinced that they're a part of a new nation, that they're a part of a new kingdom. They're a part of the kingdom of God. They are totally convinced of this. So when they go to the temple, they're not going there to bring a sacrifice. They know that Jesus Christ is the sacrifice in fulfillment of those types and those shadows. So the Scripture says when they go up to the temple for the hour of prayer, nine, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, the time of the evening sacrifice, they know that Jesus died at three o'clock in the afternoon. They don't have to bring a sacrifice to God because Jesus is their sacrifice. So the Bible says they're going up for prayer. They're not going to bring a sacrifice. They're going up for prayer. 30 minutes or about a half hour after the evening sacrifice was lifted up to God, incense would have been offered to the Lord 30 minutes after that sacrifice. And at that time, as the incense was being lifted up to God, the people would begin to pray. So they're not going up there to offer a sacrifice. They're going up there to pray. So the Bible says Peter and John are going up, say up. When you go to the house of God or when you go to God, you're always going up. You're not going down. And it's Peter and John. Peter the doer, John the dreamer. And they're going up together. You remember, Peter sort of had, they sort of had little differences at times. You remember after the resurrection of Jesus Christ that 
Peter asked Jesus a question about John. He said, what is this man going to do? You remember that? What's he going to do? So there, uh, there was a little bit of a tension going on between Peter and John in the Gospel. So it, oftentimes you would have Peter, James, and John. Peter the doer, John the dreamer, James in the middle to break up the fight. But after the Holy Ghost is poured out, these men find within each other something of value. So now we don't have Peter, James, and John. We just have Peter and John and they've stopped fighting because they're filled with the Holy Ghost. They're filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. So Peter the doer and James the, uh, John the dreamer are going up to the temple in the hour of prayer not to bring a sacrifice but to pray to God Almighty. Amen. They are apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we look at them and we wonder why would they even go up to the temple for prayer? If they are the temple of the living God, if they know that they are the temple of the living God, then why even go to that temple? Because 40 days, 40 years from this time, God is going to destroy that temple. So at some point, they're going to break from that old way of doing things. But at this point, it hasn't happened yet. They haven't broken away from that old way of doing things. Of course, these are Jerusalem Jews. These are Messianic Jews. But they're still going to the temple. So, with time, we will see as we go through the book of Acts, we will see that there will be a breaking away from that. Okay, as you go through the book of Acts and through the rest of the epistles. But why would they even go up to the temple in the hour of prayer? Why keep going to the temple? Why keep going back to your old church? You understand? Well, let me ask you that question. Why is it when some people get filled with the Holy Ghost and they get baptized in Jesus' name that they want to go back to their old church? How many of that, don't lift your hands. How many of you that happened when you got filled with the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, you thought you could take that new wine into your old wineskin? You see, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that Jesus gave us a parable. He said, you cannot take new wine and put it into old skins. If you do, that new wine's going to swell and it's going to break the old skin. So you can't take this New Testament church and it put it into the Old Testament way of doing things. If you do, it's going to burst. Right? But we really, you know, really we shouldn't judge these two fellows here because that's what many of us did. We got the new wine of the Holy Ghost filled with the Spirit of the Lord and we thought we could take this new wine, this new experience that we had in God and go back to our old church. And we found out once we got there, we didn't fit. The new wine just didn't fit in the old skin. And I'm telling you, we don't need to really judge these fellas because some of you thought you could do that too. As soon as you got the new wine, got filled with the Holy Ghost, you just went back to your old system because you're, you know, maybe you're a little better than what you were before, right? But I can tell you by experience. That once I got the new wine of the Holy Ghost and I tried to go back to my old church, I sat down in that old church and I thought, This is not where I need to be. 
I need to get with people of like precious faith. Because you're looking at a pastor that wasn't raised in this. So when I received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues and baptizing in Jesus' name, I just thought, well, hey, this is great. I'll just go back to my old church. Didn't work. Trying to take new wine, put it in old skins. So I'm not going to be too hard on these, on Peter and John going back to the temple in the hour of prayer because we all did that maybe. At least thought about doing that. But we found out it doesn't work. And eventually they will break from and God will make sure of it. They will break from that old system of doing things. Because God has brought in a completely new way of salvation. A completely new way of doing things. A completely new covenant. And the old has passed away. You hear what I'm telling you? The new wine has come and you can't put that in old wine skins. If you do, it will burst, says Jesus. So 40 years or so from this time, the temple will be completely destroyed. There will be no more sacrifices lifted to God ever again in that New Testament church. You with me? Time frame. Okay? So, hallelujah. We got these two Jesus-named men, Jesus-named apostles, Jesus-named preachers, going up to the temple for the hour of prayer, three o'clock in the afternoon, the time when they would have been offering the evening sacrifice already fulfilled by Jesus' death on the cross at three o'clock in the afternoon. And when they get there, the Bible tells us already in verse 43 that many wonders and signs are done by the apostles. Say amen. So these people are people who create wonder wherever they go. And signs and wonders follow them wherever they go. Amen? Amen. Jesus said these, He said this, these signs shall follow them that believe. You with me? These signs shall follow them that believe. So, the Bible says, when Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, there was a certain man. Say, a certain man. Now, he's a beggar. But the Bible says he's a certain man because... He would have not been the would have not be, have been the only beggar there that day. He would have not he would not have been. Let me get my words straight. He would not have been the only beggar. So when we see this lame man here at the gate, beautiful of the temple, don't get in your mind that he's the only beggar there. There are no. The Bible didn't give us the number, but there are a number of beggars there at the temple. Because that's where the beggars went. They would carry the lame, they would, the blind, etc. And they would go over to the temple there. So there would be probably hundreds of beggars there where this man was at. It was known as the beggar's patch. And you would see the blind leading the blind. Jesus talked about the blind leading the blind and the blind lead the blind. They're both going to fall into the ditch. That's like the religion of our day. Blind leaders of the blind both falling into the ditch. But his reference was something that they could identify with because as, as they looked in the morning or in the afternoon, whenever it would be, they would see blind beggars following blind beggars to the beggar's patch. They would get somebody that could see to lead them to the beggar's patch. And 
You with me here? All right. Or, or, you know, well, hallelujah. How you gonna, how you gonna be led? Well, evidently the guy that could see grabbed the one that couldn't see by the hand, led him to the beggar's patch. But behind that beggar, there was, that blind man was another blind man, and another blind man, and another blind man. And just a big old line of blind men, you know, and they're all walking to the beggar's patch. Get it in your mind, you know, just a big old line of blind men, can't see, being led to the beggar's patch so that they could beg for their way of living. So that they could get money to live on. And so this was not an uncommon thing. Hallelujah. These beggars going to this place called the beggar's patch or be the lame being carried to the temple there to ask alms of those that pass by. Okay, amen. You with me so far? And I don't know when this particular lame man, I said last week his name was Aeneas, but we don't see Aeneas till the ninth chapter. I checked this out because I always go back and make sure of what I say. But we find Aeneas in the ninth chapter. I didn't feel like I was right on that, so I went back. But anyway, this man was brought, I don't know exactly what time of the day he was brought there, morning, afternoon, but he was carried there by somebody because he could not walk on his own. And he was placed there by this beautiful gates of the temple. And there he began to beg. He began to ask alms. Beautiful place to be at, you know. It, the, the gate beautiful there by the temple. It's, it's not just the gate that was beautiful, but it was a beautiful place to be, the location of it. You could see Gethsemane from there. Are y'all here right now? You could see the Kidron Valley and the brook. You could see beautiful, beautiful sights, a panoramic view of beauty all around you. It was a beautiful place to be. And then the Bible says he was by this beautiful gate. And when you study this gate, we're not sure exactly which gate it was, if it's the Shushan gate, or the Nicanor gate, or the Corinthian gate, or which particular gate it was, because the Bible doesn't tell us which one it is. We just know these are gates leading into the temple. Right? And it just says that it's a beautiful gate. Josephus describes the gate. The gate. He, it's possible the gate he describes is the one that this man was beside. This beautiful gate would have been 75 feet tall and 60 feet wide. It would have took 20 men to open and close that gate. It was huge. It was a gate that was covered with Corinthian bronze. And on top of the Corinthian bronze, it was overlaid with gold. And on that gate, there was a vine. A beautiful gold vine. And on that beautiful gold vine, gold grapes, that every family of Israel tried to save up enough money to be able to hang a gold grape on that beautiful gate. It was, as the Scripture says right here, a beautiful, beautiful gate. Josephus describes the gates there, this particular gate especially. So, he was there. He was lame. He couldn't walk. He's asking alms. He's at that beautiful gate, but the beautiful gold and the bronze couldn't get him in the temple. It couldn't save him. couldn't help him. It was a beautiful location, panoramic view of the Kidron Valley and Gethsemane and other beautiful places around Jerusalem, but that couldn't help him. The beauty couldn't help him. And he was laying there, and his whole intention that day was simply to get a few coins to live on. He had a ten cup mentality. 
He's got a beggar's mentality. That's all, that's all he's thinking about that day. I don't think when he went, Brother Timothy, that day to the temple that he thought, I don't think he thought in his mind, I'm going to get healed today. I don't think when he went to that temple that day or they carried him to the temple that day that he thought in his mind, I want to be healed. When he went there that day, he wasn't thinking about healing or wanting to be healed. He wasn't believing that he was going to get healed that day. He went there simply with a tin cup in his hand. A tin cup mentality just to beg, just to get something to live on that next day. Hallelujah. And while he was laying there, philosophers would have walked by and they couldn't get him in the temple. They couldn't heal him. Theologians would have walked by, scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and maybe some Essenes. They walked by. They couldn't get him in the temple. Jesus probably walked by that man when he was in his earthly ministry and he didn't heal him. This man had been there. He was born this way. The Bible says he was this way from birth. And the Scripture in the fourth chapter tells us he was 40 years old. So this man from birth for 40 years, you know, he's been in this condition. And I'm sure his adult life, he's been there at that temple asking for somebody to help him, asking for alms. Which tells me that Jesus no, no doubt walked by that man one day and Jesus didn't heal him. But there he is. And the Scripture tells us as he's laying there lame, something's wrong with his ankle bone. Something's wrong with his feet. Something's wrong with his heel. It's out of socket. He was born that way. Forty years old. He's a type of Israel. Wandering in the wilderness for forty years. So the people, the Bible says, Peter and John go up in the hour to the to prayer, the hour of prayer, the temple, and they see this certain man. Say, certain man. I believe one among many beggars, one among many lame people, one among many blind people, one among many impotent people, etc., that would have been there. So the Bible says, a certain man. Say, a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. He sees Peter and John going to the time of prayer. He looks up and he all of a sudden he just starts staring at them. These two men get his attention. His eyes fall upon these two particular men and he believes that he's going to be able to receive something from them. Money. Gold. Silver. To sustain life by. That was what he thought as he walked by. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it's not too different today. There's a lot of people out of the world. Uh, they look at the church as just uh, a place where they can go and, and get a little bread money or a a little bit of food to eat, maybe get a handout here, a handout. They got ten cup mentality, you know. So it's not different today than it was that day. So he looks, he begins to stare at these two men, and the scripture tells us, the Bible says, verse four, that as he's staring at them. What happens is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ that's in Peter and John, all of a sudden, 
God speaks to them and says, I want to heal this man today. Woo, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? See, they were in connection with the living Lord. He's the head, they're the body. You are the body, He's the head. You're not separated from Jesus Christ. The problem is with us today, we don't have a revelation of who we are. We don't have a revelation of the fact that we are the body of Jesus Christ. That He's the head and we're the body in the earth. And you can't separate your head from your body. Therefore, if we're the part of the body of Christ today, we are not disconnected from Jesus. He's the head of the body. You understand? When you look at me, you see my head, my body, right? Can you separate my head from my body? If I do, I stop living. Can you decapitate me? And if you decapitate me, will I be a body walking around? No. The body of Christ, Jesus is the head. You cannot separate Jesus Christ from His body. We just don't have that revelation of who we are. We don't have a revelation that we are connected to the living Lord, that He lives inside of us and He's the head of us. Amen? You, you can't look at me and say, this is Jerry and this is Carter. Right? Nor can you look at the church and say, okay, we have Jesus, but we have the body. They're separate. No. You have to get, you need to get a revelation. I need to get a revelation of the fact that I'm the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the head is Jesus and I'm connected to the head. Now watch this. I want you to get this. You need that revelation because as Peter and John are going up to the hour of prayer here, the spirit of Jesus, the head, speaks to them, speaks to Peter and John. Not about any of the other beggars there, but about a certain man. A certain lame man. It wasn't that they could walk up to anybody they wanted to and said, be healed. You hear what I'm telling you? It depended on the leading of the Lord the leading of the Sovereign Lord as to who would be healed that day. That's why the Bible says a certain lame man. A certain one. Among many. Why didn't they heal every one of them? It was the Lord's will to heal that man on that day. And the Lord in His sovereignty, He's in control, revealed to Peter and John, this is the day that I want to heal this man. They didn't act on their own accord out of their own mind or their own thinking or out of their own will as to what they would do that day. They were being led by the head. Woo! And they heard the voice of the Lord. I want to heal that man today. I'm going to heal that man today. Say praise the Lord. And because they were connected to the head, they knew exactly what the will of God was for that moment. They knew that they were going to be used by God to heal this particular lame man. Because God had told them He was going to do it that day. Woo, hallelujah to the Lamb. If it had been us, we'd have probably been over there laying hands on everybody there. 
And that's why we don't have results. Because we're not being led by the Spirit. We have faith for everybody to be healed, but you have to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And so Peter and John going up to the hour of prayer there saw that certain man in the Spirit of the Lord, the head, spoke to them and said, I'm going to heal this man today. Ooh, isn't this awesome? And when the Spirit of God spoke to Peter and John, the Bible says Peter fastening his eyes on him. He locked eyes with that man. He saw that man. The reason why we don't have the kind of results they had is because we don't see people. I said we don't see them. We don't lock eyes with them. When I'm preaching, I lock eyes with you. You ever notice that? I lock eyes with you. I look you right in the eyeballs. Right in your baby blues. And the reason why I have, reason I do that is because I have to see you. Say amen. See, how many times, listen, this is a known fact. Somebody uh, took some people into a bank and the people went into the bank and they did their transactions with money and uh, the people that handle money there, you know, what, what's their name? Tellers, yeah. Tellers working, working with the money and uh, the people uh, went up to the tellers and got their transactions done, you know. And then after, they asked the people, who waited on you? Which teller was it that waited on you? And nobody there could tell them who the teller was that waited on them. Because they didn't see the teller. All they saw was the teller, hands going like this, money. That's what they saw. They saw the money. They saw the hands. But they didn't know the teller that waited on them because they did not see the teller. And what I'm telling you is that when Peter saw that man, he locked eyes with him. He gazing on him. He saw that man. He didn't just you know, take notice of the man. He looked at him. He saw that man. And if you and I are going to be effective in the kingdom of God, we have to see people. Jesus saw people. He saw little Zacchaeus up in a tree one day. I said he saw him. Are y'all with me right now? Jesus, his whole life, the Bible talks about people that he would see, Zacchaeus and others, he would see, he would lock eyes. He wouldn't just pass, he would be led by the Spirit of God in him and he would look at these people and see them as people. If you're ever going to be a soul winner, you have to become a person who sees people. You have to become aware of the Spirit of God that's in you. The head that is on, that is in you. Jesus Christ and leading and talking to you and, and telling you, I want to save that one today. I want to feel this and with the Holy Ghost this morning. I want to, I want you to see this person. Not just as a waiter, not just as a teller, not as somebody that you're just passing by. You have to listen to the Spirit of God as you see people. Because God wants you to see people. And when you see people, then you'll start winning them. You'll start seeing miracles breaking out all around you. But you have to see people first before the miracle can happen. And Peter locked eyes with that lame man. He saw that man. He didn't just walk by him and take notice of him. He looked at him and he saw that. So there's fixing to be a miracle take place here. The Holy Ghost has revealed to Peter and John what He wants to do for that man this day, this hour. Hallelujah. Give God praise. 
So Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. He said, look on us. Now, watch. The Bible already said that this man was looking at him. Does it not say that? The Bible tells us he went there to ask alms. Who seen Peter, John, Peter and John, about to go into the temple, ask alms. So he saw Peter and John, right? And then Peter and John locked eyes with him, saw him. But then the Bible says, Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. I thought he already was looking on him. You hear what I'm telling you? And then later on we'll find out. Verse 12, when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? So there he says, I don't want you to look on us. But here he says to this lame man who's looking at them, and they're looking at him, he says, look on us. Are y'all with me right now? Okay. You need to get a different perspective. Because what you want is somebody to buy you some bread. You want money. You want silver and gold. Alright? But watch what Peter says. Okay, verse 5. He gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. So he, I'm sure he's really excited. Whew. He's got Peter and Jones' attention, you know. And... Oh, he's, I'm sure he's got his tin cup. He's rattling that tin cup. He's getting really excited now because he thinks, oh, Peter and John fixing to drop a silver coin or a gold coin. A little change. Just give me a, a little change, you know. And he's waiting for that change to hit the bottom of that tin cup. Of course, this is not in the Bible. This is I'm trying to get you to see. Right? And then all of a sudden, for just a moment, he's disappointed. Because Peter and John say, silver and gold have I none. They said, we don't have any change to give you today. If he could walk, he'd have walked right out the door and been disappointed. They don't have money at that church. Silver and gold have I none, said Peter. They sound just like Pentecostals, don't they? Silver and gold have I none, said Peter and John. But such as I have, give I thee. Watch this. Look at it. You with me? Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. This is the not, not the first recorded miracle in the Bible, but it is the first recorded miracle of a Jesus name man. Healing somebody. Say praise the Lord. This is the first miracle in the Bible. You have a Jesus name apostolic preacher healing somebody. First time in the scripture. Are y'all awake today? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up 
and walk. Say amen. Isn't that awesome? The Lord had revealed to them that He wanted to heal that man. And they knew how to get the results. God is not looking for new methods. He's looking for special men and women. Come on. He's not looking for new methods. He's looking for new men and women. He's look, He's not. Hear what I'm telling you. If we will do what they did, we will get the results that they got. Do you hear what I'm telling you today? God is not looking for new methods. He's looking for unique men. Peter and John were men who valued the Spirit. Are you here? That New Testament church valued the Spirit. We today value physical things. We value material things. Say amen. Come on. And I mean, and there's some things I have I'm not going to give to you. I mean, I value some things that I have. I'm not going to, you can come ask me. I'm not going to give them to you. But anyway, they value spiritual things. Say hallelujah. You know, like my mentor, mentor Brother Dice said, made a statement. He said, when somebody hits your car, you get out of the car and said, you hit me. No, they didn't hit you. They hit your stupid car. You see, but your material things, your physical things, you take them so personal. So if they hit your car, they hit you. One woman was late to church. She told the pastor, she said, I had a blowout. The pastor said, well, what happened to the car? That pastor was Brother Dice. (laughs) Now, there's nothing wrong with having things, and, but I'm just telling you that they put the value on spiritual things more than we do in America. Silver and gold have I none, they said. The Bible says the church of Laodicea was rich and increased with goods and said, I have need of nothing. He said, but you're blind, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're naked. So you might, we might have a lot of things but we may be blind, wretched, miserable, and naked spiritually. They said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Say amen. Rise up and walk. Now see, I want to preach and teach at the same time. That's hard to do. Are y'all here? So this man, wanting alms, got legs. He didn't have any intention of getting legs that day. He was asking alms, and he thought he would receive from them alms, but he got legs. And he's going to change from a a beggar's mentality... God's going to change him from having a beggar's mentality, a ten cup mentality, to a man who has got a kingdom mentality. Say amen. Because Peter and John can walk by there and put silver and gold in his cup, but that's going to leave him there every day after that, still seeking gold and silver. 
But if they heal him and put him on his feet, the disabled becomes able. And then he can go forth and earn his own living. Jesus. The disabled will become able. The lame man will become a leaping man. The man who's begging or asking for alms will be a man who will be filled with praise. He will be giving praise to God. See, God doesn't want you just to come into church so that you can, you know, somebody can help you out to buy bread. God wants to give you the ability to stand on your own feet. God wants to heal you, deliver you, put you on your own feet, take your lameness away, and turn you into a leaping man. Instead of a man who wants something to be given, you turn into a man or a woman who is a giver to the kingdom of God. You have a kingdom mentality, not a tin cup mentality. Give God some praise in this house. If they gave him what he wanted, he would have been there the next day and the next day until he died. So God is going to give him something better than what he wanted. And I don't see in the Bible where this man ever said, I lost my gold and silver to get God. See, that's the devil will come to you. Y'all sit down. Y'all making me nervous. You look like you're fixing to rush the platform. The devil will tell you that when you lose him, you lose everything. And that when you get God, you get nothing. He will tell you that when you got God, you got nothing. But when you get Him, you get everything. You hear what I'm telling you? He will lie to you on a daily basis. Look what you had to give up to live for God. Look what you've lost to give up for God. When you lost me, you lost everything. When you got God, you got nothing. Are you? That's what He will tell you. But why would you want to follow the devil? He couldn't even serve God when there wasn't even a devil. Why would you want to follow a loser like that? A loser like that that couldn't even follow God when there wasn't a devil. And you'd want to follow a loser like that. He's the greatest loser in the universe. And this loser, this devil comes to you and talks about how much you've given up to live for God and what you've lost when you started serving the Lord and how much you're going to have to give up to live for God. I want to tell you something. You don't give up anything that you needed. You hear what I'm telling you? I didn't lose when I got God. Are you kidding me? I have more today than I ever had in my life. I'm a born again believer. I'm saved. Don't listen to the lies that the devil tells you Oh, how much you gave up to live for God that you're going to lose when you start living for God. You come into church. What you may have to give up some things, but those things are sinful. Those things are... They go against the Word of God. And you need to get rid of that stuff because that stuff destroys you. Following the devil is destruction. He's a loser. He'll make you a drug addict. He'll make you an alcoholic. 
He'll make you addicted to tobacco. He'll, he'll put all kinds of addictions in your life. He'll bring the wrong man or the wrong woman in your life. He'll put you in a live-in situation where there's no commitment and all you have is misery. Those are the things you may have to give up. But those things are sinful. Those things are destructive. God will set you free. God will heal you. God will deliver you. And put you into His kingdom. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I can't give you gold and silver. Are y'all here right now? He said, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Sit down, please. Isn't that beautiful? That is awesome. See, these people, Peter and John, had a legal right to use the name of Jesus. You know why they had a legal... I know you want me to get all excited. and I know you want me to hang from the chandeliers. We don't have any. I know you want me to do all that and run, skip, jump, shout, scream at you before you really think we're having a move of God here this morning. But I'm not disconnected from the head. And nor are you. So there's power in the Word I'm preaching to you, even though I may not be going crazy this morning. They had the legal right to use the name of Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor, the legal right? Because in Acts chapter 2, they had been baptized into the name of Jesus. They had the name invoked over them. The name of Jesus, I said. Not the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They had the name of the Lord Jesus Christ spoken over them in baptism. And when they did, that literally means they had the name invoked or spoken over them. It wasn't in the authority of. It was in the name of Jesus Christ. Some preacher today will tell you when they were baptized, you're saying it was in the authority of the name of Jesus. No, it was in the name of Jesus. They had the name of Jesus invoked or spoken over them in baptism. They entered into the name of Jesus. And when they entered into the name of Jesus, having the name of Jesus spoken over them in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, now they have the legal right to use the name of Jesus because they are Jesus' name apostles. And they are connected to the head. You're connected to the head. You are the body of Christ. And you have a legal right, and I have a legal right to use the name of Jesus. Because I have been called by the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. You will see in the book of Acts, some men trying to cast a devil out in the name of Jesus. And that man jumped on them, ripped their clothes off their body, tore them up. Because they didn't have the legal right to use the name of Jesus. Because they weren't baptized in the name of Jesus. So the devil jumped on top said, Jesus I know, etc. But I don't know who you are, said the devil's in them. Because they didn't have the legal right to use the name of Jesus. But these disciples and you have the legal right to use the name of Jesus because you have entered into the name of Jesus. You have had the name of Jesus invoked over you. So you've got the legal right to use the name of Jesus. And this is the first New Testament miracle. Hallelujah. 
The first time that in the name of Jesus is performing a miracle in the New Testament church. The first time. And the first time a Jesus name man is speaking the name of Jesus to impart healing. He had a legal right to do it. And when he did, he knew it wasn't a theory. And he knew the name wasn't a magic formula. And he knew it wasn't just a doctrine that he had. He knew that when he said the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus is himself. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? The name of Jesus is Jesus. You hear what I'm telling you today? Jesus is his name. And his name is himself. Are y'all with me right now? Even Old Testament Jews understood that the name of the Lord is God. And that God is His name. So that when they spoke the name of Jesus, it wasn't a theory. It wasn't a doctrine. It wasn't a magic formula. Jesus was in His name. He is His name. So when they looked at that man and they said, In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They didn't give a theory to the man. They didn't give a doctrine to the man. They didn't give a magic formula to the man. They spoke in the name of Jesus. And when they did, the presence of Jesus began to flow through that man's muscles and bones. The presence of Jesus is in the name of Jesus. And when they spoke the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus began to flow through his bones and through his muscles. I don't have a theory. I don't have a doctrine, just a doctrine. I don't just have a magic. I don't have a magic formula when I use the name of Jesus to baptize or, or I pray for the sick or, or we speak to the sick and tell them they're healed in Jesus' name. That's not a formula. That's not magic. That's not a theory. That's not just a doctrine. That's Jesus himself. Jesus himself is in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is himself and himself is the name of Jesus. You got to get what I'm telling you today. And they knew that. These are Jesus name men. They got the legal right to use the name of Jesus. And they know that he is his name and his name is himself. Give the Lord praise. And they know they have well, what is happening here. They have the power of attorney. And I, you, you, you want to get some heavy stuff. Talk to Sister Pearl today after church. She's a legal minded woman and she can tell you what the power of attorney all means. I, I don't know all that, you know, what all that means, but I do know this, that the power of attorney is when somebody gives you the power, come on, to use their name. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. The power of attorney have been given to the church to use his name. You have the legal right to use his name. Listen to what I'm telling you. Now, this physical Jesus is not there. But Jesus in the spirit is there. So the power of attorney is the, the spirit of Jesus present, but the absence of the physical Jesus you have the ability to use his name to promote transactions on his behalf. And you don't do it according to what you think ought to happen. 
It is always based on the will of the one who gave you the power of attorney. You have to do what their will is in relationship to that decision. Say amen. So these men, when they walked, had the power of attorney. They could use the name of Jesus and Jesus would be behind this name. Are y'all with me right now? But they had to do His will, not their own mind. They couldn't just choose what they wanted to do. It had to be God telling them what to do. And they could use this name in any dimension, heaven or earth. Because Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. So because Jesus has all power in the dimension called earth and the dimension called heaven. In fact, he has all authority over every dimension that there is. So that the name of Jesus can be used in any dimension, in the heavens or in the earth. Because he has authority or power over every dimension. So now Jesus has given the church the power of attorney to use his name. You have the legal right to to use his name. And what are the limitations of it? Everything that the finished work of the cross provided is in the power of attorney. You can do whatever the finished work has provided. He's provided healing. What is in the name of Jesus? Healing. The name of Jesus is a healing name. The name of Jesus is a saving name. The name of Jesus is the only name. The name of Jesus is a dreadful name. Come on, somebody. Whatever the finished work has provided, you can pray in the name of Jesus for it to happen. But I want to show you something as well. Not only did they have the legal right and the power of attorney because they had been called by the name of Jesus. Are y'all here right now? Give the Lord some praise in the house. They understood what the name was. It was not a theory, not a doctrine. It wasn't a magic formula. They knew it was Jesus in His name. Give the Lord worship in the house. And they were connected to Him. They were one with Jesus. They never became Jesus. And Jesus never became them. He is eternally other than you. Did you catch that? He is eternally other than you. So that He never becomes you. And you never become Jesus. Are y'all with me right now? But He is the vine and you're the branches. So the sap flows through Him. But the branches are the manifestation of the vine. You don't know what the vine is until you have the manifestation of the fruit at the tips of the branches. So the branches produce the fruit at the tips of the vine, of the branch, and that lets you know what kind of vine you got. Jesus is the vine, you're the branches, and you produce the fruit of the vine. Say amen. So you are a manifestation of Jesus. Hallelujah. His life is flowing through you. You are not Jesus. He never becomes you. He is eternally other than us. But we are one with Him. He's the head and we're the body. 
And because we're filled with his spirit now, we go forth and we have nine manifestations of the spirit. Really, the Bible says, you know, some of y'all say, what's the nine gifts of the spirit? Well, really, it's the nine manifestations of the spirit. The, the gift is the Holy Ghost. When you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you will produce nine manifestations of that one gift. Oh, signs and miracles and wonders and healing in the name of Jesus. All kind of word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Knowledge coming to you that you didn't know about unless God told you. They didn't know God wanted to heal that man unless God told them that they, that He wanted to heal that man that day. And so there was a loving kindness of God, a manifestation of His mercy flowing in and through them. It was Jesus manifesting His life through this people, through this body. He's the head, revealing to them His mind, His will, and they are carrying it out in the earth. They are in tune with what He's saying. They know His voice. They know the power that's in His name. They are totally convinced that He's risen from the dead. They are totally convinced that He's the Lord of heaven. They are totally convinced that He has authority in both realms, heaven and earth. And God has given them this authority to use the name of Jesus. And I want you to see this. In the book of Acts, you never see one time anybody being prayed for to receive healing. They didn't pray for this lame man to be healed. Did they? I know in the New Testament epistles gives us authority to pray for the sick, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have authority to pray for the sick in the name of the Lord Jesus. But in the book of Acts, I don't see them praying for this man's healing. They didn't say, hey, let me pray for you right now that you might be healed. They didn't pray for his healing. They gave him his healing. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I, give I, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They gave that man his healing. They were an extension of Jesus Christ himself. They were the hands of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, the mouth of the Lord, the feet of the Lord that day. They were His body and they gave that man His healing because it was provided for at the work of the cross. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. Signs and wonders are beginning to take place through this community of signs and wonders. This is a community of the Spirit. They know who they are. They know that Jesus is the head. They know that they're the body. They have a revelation of Jesus and they have a revelation of who they are. We can't get a revelation of Jesus because we don't even have a revelation of who we are. You need to get a revelation of who Jesus is and then you need to get a revelation of who you are in Him so that you can go forth and do the same things that they did. Give the Lord praise in this house. Glory to God in the highest. They didn't pray for healing. They gave him his healing in the name of Jesus. They spoke in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord praise in this house. Now listen, you talk about a wonder. The Bible says the people that saw it were in amazement. They were wondering. 
What is a wonder? A wonder is something to make your eyes pop out. They knew this man right here. They knew that he was lame. And all of a sudden, he's going to be healed. Rise up and walk. And the Bible said they were full of amazement and wonder. A wonder is something to make your eyes pop out. Something you can't explain. It's something that's so different from what you would normally see in the earth. It's something unique. It's something different. It's heaven invading into earth. It's eternity invading into time. It's the kingdom of God. It's Jesus manifesting Himself in the earth. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, touch every person in this house that are lame. They can't get up. They can't walk. They can't move with God. God, touch every one of them. Touch every one of them. Give them a revelation of who you are, God, and a revelation of who they are. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and give God praise. When they saw that, there was nothing in the earth that they could go to to explain what they had just seen. Philosophers couldn't get that man in the temple. Theologians couldn't get that man in the temple. Only Jesus Christ could get that man in the temple. He's a picture of the lameness and fallen condition of mankind as a whole. Only God can get you in His kingdom. Only God can heal you of your fallen situation. Say praise the Lord, church. When they saw it, it was a wonder. Can't explain this. It's nothing like, there's nothing like this in the whole earth. This is a brand new thing. Jesus did it when He walked the earth as a man. But now, ordinary men are doing the same thing He did. Because He said, because I go to the Father, that means His ascension. He said, because I go to the Father, He said, the works that I do, so shall you do. And greater works than these shall you do. He said the church is going to do greater things. He said you're going to do the works that I do. And He said you're going to do even greater things. Because now in the church age, you're beyond the cross. Now in the church age, you can offer forgiveness to people. Oh, give the Lord praise in the house. Greater works shall you do. You're going to baptize people in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. They're going to come into the name. They're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. Greater works. So now we see a continuation of all that Jesus began to do and teach in the Gospels. We see a continuation of the work of Jesus in and through His church. He's doing it through them. Greater works. He wants to do greater works through you. He wants to do greater works through me. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give the Lord praise. You have a a legal right to use the name. He's given you the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. And if you'll just be led by His Spirit, He'll tell you when and who to speak to. He'll tell you who He wants to heal. Are y'all with me right now? The Lord, you know, this morning, the Lord, a brother came for prayer and uh, we prayed. The Holy Ghost said, I'll fill him with the Holy Ghost now. Jesus' name. The time it'll cost. 
and Joshua speaking in tongues. Oh, hallelujah. How many times he's come to the front and we prayed for him and prayed for him and he didn't speak in tongues. But the Lord said, I don't want to just heal him. I want to feel him. That's what I'm talking about. It's being led by the head, Jesus Christ. He this is what I want to do now. And if you'll yield to the Spirit, you will see the results. But it's not about the man. It's not about me. It's about you. Because the wonder is to point you to Jesus. Thank God. Thank God he got the, got the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise the Lord. But that's normal. I said that's normal in this community of believers. This is normal. You ought to be going out and laying hands on people. And they getting the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Miracles and signs ought to be breaking out all around every one of you. Every one of you. Every one of you. But you have to have a revelation. Jesus is the head and you're the body. And so, we have the results uh, in the Word of God. In the name of Jesus. But they gave Him His healing. They didn't pray for His healing. Can I pray for you to be healed? Maybe the Lord is telling you to just say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Give the Lord worship in house. And so the wonder, an invasion of time by eternity, an invasion into earth by heaven. Oh, glory to God. Something that you can't explain. You try to explain what you've seen happen, you can't explain it because there's nothing in the earth that you know about. You knew about a man by the name of Jesus that used to do this before he died. But now you see these people doing the same things he did. You see ordinary men and women doing the same things Jesus did, saying the same things He said, acting the same way He acted. Wonder why? He's the head, you're the body. So when they saw that wonder, it caused them to move in amazement. Caused their eyes to pop out. They couldn't explain it. Then the Bible says signs and wonders. A sign is something that points you onward. The sign was telling you that Jesus is alive. The sign here is telling you that Jesus has been raised from the dead. That Jesus is the Lord. That Jesus, hallelujah, has power and authority in heaven and in earth. This is telling everybody that Jesus is alive. So this sign is pointing you to Jesus. So there's wonders. I read 43 of chapter 2, signs and wonders. The wonder makes, makes you wonder. The sign tells you, it points you onward. And it's pointing you to Jesus. And it's pointing you on to more miracles. You got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? Go on. You saw somebody got healed? Don't stop and just look at it. Go on. Heal somebody else. See somebody else healed. Come on somebody. See you're, The Bible Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. The signs are behind us. You see a sign take place. Don't stand there and camp there and look at it. The signs are behind you. Okay? Alright, wonderful. Pray. Look what the Lord did. Hallelujah. Go on to the next sign. 
God works a sign there, then you leave that one. You go on to the next miracle. And you keep going on, keep going on, keep going on to the next miracle, to higher heights and deeper depths in God. Keep going on. Don't stop at the sign. The sign's telling you your destination is ahead of you. Your destination is ahead of you. Keep going. Don't stop at the sign. There's another miracle. There's another sign. There's another wonder. Some of you got, I got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Good, go on. I got healed. Good, go on. I saw somebody get filled with the Holy Ghost. Good, go on. There's another one. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Signs and wonders. This spiritual community is a community where signs and wonders are normal. Signs and wonders are normal. Ah, listen to me. I started to say, I feel sorry. I don't feel sorry. I started to say, I feel sorry for churches who don't believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, how are you going to get in the kingdom to begin with? Because there is no such thing as a believer in that New Testament church that wasn't baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Every New Testament believer, without exception, were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you get the, when you experience God and get born again into His kingdom, signs and miracles and wonders are going to break out all around you. But the sign of the miracle is not so people can look at you. It's not so you can get glory. And so, wow. Oh, that's a holy man. Wow. That's a man that got power. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not the purpose of it. When they started saying that about Peter and John, Peter and John said, don't look at us. He said, it, he said, it wasn't by our own power or holiness that this man stands here before you whole. He said, it was in the name of Jesus. So it's pointing you to Jesus. It's telling you He's alive. And these apostles everywhere they went said, See, I told you. I told you He lives. I told you He was alive. Look, right there. You have the proof. You have the manifestation that He's alive. See, I told you. I told you. Look, just look for yourself. Just look. He lives. Jesus lives. He lives. We're a part of the body. He's the head. He lives. Look, see. Signs, miracles, wonders breaking out all around the church. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good. What did the devil see on, on Pentecost? What did the devil see when he saw these men and these women going forth out into this world? Ordinary men and women. The body of Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus did it when He was alive. Yeah, miracle signs. But now we got ordinary men healing. We got ordinary men seeing signs and miracles. People just like you. People just like you. You, you, you. You, you, you. Just like you. Every one of you here. Just like you. Ordinary men and women. Jesus' name, men and women. Being used by God. The Spirit of Jesus flowing in and through you. You're the body of Christ. Oh, no wonder the devil about had a breakdown. When they hung Jesus on the cross, he and hell liked to laugh himself to death. After Jesus rose from the dead, he liked to cry himself to death. On the day of Pentecost, he had a nervous breakdown. 
because he doesn't just have one Jesus on one street corner. He's got Jesus people standing on every corner talking the same way he talked, doing the same things he did, miracle signs and wonders, breaking out all around him. What are you going to do now? No wonder Jesus said, greater words shall you do because I go to the Father. You'll be standing on every street corner in Jerusalem. You're going to give the devil a nervous breakdown. Let me tell you, you ought to be giving the devil a nervous breakdown. He shouldn't be giving you a nervous breakdown. You should be giving the devil a nervous breakdown. Signs, miracles, and wonders. But it's according to the will of God. Uh, you don't just want, uh, hey, I, I, I want to heal you today. Did God tell you He was going to heal that person today? Oh yeah, you hear what I'm telling you? Wonder why God didn't heal. Wonder why Jesus didn't heal that lame man when He walked the earth. Sovereignty. He's in control. Wonder why it was that certain lame man and not the rest of them that lived that day. A certain man. You see, you have to listen to the Lord. He knows what He's going to do and He'll reveal it to you. Are y'all here? Aren't you glad that He gives you His mind and tells you things you wouldn't have known if He didn't tell you? It's called word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Okay, y'all can sit down. Y'all are waiting for me to read this. What did the devil see when he saw this community of believers? Praise the Lord, church. Give God praise in the house. Jesus paralyzed the death-dealing authority of Satan. He took captivity captive. He defeated the host of hell as our substitute. In the upper room. He's off on his theology. It happened in the temple. But anyway, you know. In the upper room, Satan witnessed the results. You know, I preached it to you a couple weeks ago. I got the Holy Ghost in the temple, not in the upper room. He saw men and women recreated. This is what the devil saw. He saw them receive eternal life. He saw their sins remitted, blotted out as though they had never been. He saw the power and energy of the Holy Spirit in men. He became aware of the fact that the new creation people are His masters. He realized that these men and women had the authority to use the name of Jesus. These men and women in the upper room, temple, would be able to perform the same kind of miracles that Jesus had in His earth walk. He must have remembered when Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Jesus was the master of hell, and these new creation people had received this authority. He saw joy-filled hearts where tears had been their only drink. He saw the defeated become masters. He saw his slaves shaken off their manacles. He saw homes that had been filled with misery turned into miniature heavens. He saw his prisoners set free. He saw men and women become new creations. These new creations became Jesus men and women. They counted the things that were not as though they were. And they leaped into being. And they counted the things that were as though they were not. And they ceased being. He saw faith grow where doubt and fear had held the throne for years. He saw a new race of men, a new species come into being. He saw the new birth take place. He saw God take men out of His grip and fill their hearts with love where hatred had reigned supreme. 
He saw selfishness curtail. He saw righteousness become a reality. Give God praise. The strangest phenomena was to see men and women stand in the presence of God without the sense of guilt, inferiority, or condemnation. This shook the very foundation of hell. Give the Lord praise in the house. A new language was spoken in this new creation family. A language permeated with love words. He saw man, men reign as kings in this new realm of life. He saw this new kind of love gain mastery over men. Satan slew Jesus to annihilate him. Instead of that, his death and resurrection gave birth to this new creation family. Hallelujah to the Lamb. They multiplied so rapidly that he realized he must destroy them before they destroyed him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God is good. I said, God is good. Every time he destroyed a Christian, he gave birth to another. He feared God's word on the lips of this new creation men more than anything he had ever faced. He must destroy the word. Wherever they were permitted to preach in that name, it gave birth to Jesus' men and women. During the 700 years known as the Dark Ages, Satan had smothered the Word. Luther gave birth to it again. In many countries today, the Word has apparently been stamped out. However, it still remains in the hearts of some men and women. Satan saw that these Jesus men and women fed on the Word. And in doing so, they became more and more like their Master. That's what the devil saw. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. I thank God I'm not a part of a dead religion. I thank God that I'm not just a church person. I thank God that I'm in the church of the living God. Signs, miracles, and wonders breaking out all over the place. Now the Bible says, let me get going here. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Are you with me? Immediately his feet, the word literally means his heel. His heel. Something was wrong with his heel, the heel part of his foot. The Bible then mentions the ankle bones. Something was wrong with the ankle bones and the heel. Evidently, this there was a, a situation that was out of socket. Maybe this man didn't even have ankle bones. Maybe he didn't even have ankles. Say praise the Lord. But whatever the case, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, they said. Oh, I feel this power. I feel this Holy Ghost. I feel what I'm preaching. I don't just preach what I'm preaching. I believe what I'm preaching. You need to believe what you're hearing. Don't just hear it, but believe what you're hearing. Because it's the Word of God. It's the truth. So now, he reaches down, grabs him by the hand, pulls him up. Whenever Peter and John, when they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, when they said that, this man knew who that was. He knew who Jesus Christ was. And when they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, at that moment, something happened in him called faith. And the faith that was in him at that moment made a connection with the apostles. 
And when they spoke in the name of Jesus, the, the Jesus, Jesus Himself began to flow through His body. And the Bible says, Peter took Him by the right hand and lifted Him up. And immediately His feet and ankle bones received strength. Say, immediately. immediately. Say, immediately. immediately. They will go on and explain later on, it was by faith. The faith that, come on somebody, by faith. What kind of faith was it that happened here at this moment? It was an existentialism which teaches you to have faith in faith. No. Nor was it Christian science which teaches you, come on somebody, mind over matter or deny reality. That is not biblical faith. Biblical faith is not existentialism which teaches you to have faith in your faith. Biblical faith is not Christian uh, or, or uh, Christian science which teaches you mind over matter over or, or re denying reality. Some people think that if they believe, believing makes it happen. If I can just believe, I can just believe, if I can just believe, it'll happen. Are y'all here right now? That right there is putting faith in your faith. And I can just believe. And they will come to the front. I believe, 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 I believe. And they think because they say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, that they're making it happen. No, it happens because it is. In God, it is a reality. Faith is not faith in your faith. Faith is not, you know, denying reality. It's not mind over matter. Faith is always a response to an object. In this case, faith is a response to Jesus Christ. So I don't come up here to I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, and make it happen. It happened because it happened, I believe. Because it happened, it's already a reality. I believe. I put my faith in the object Jesus Christ, and that's reality, and I experience it. Do you understand? Don't be an existentialist. Put faith in your faith. Or a Christian scientist, or a Christian scientist, yeah, a Christian scientist that teaches you to deny reality. Our mind over matter. That's 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 not God. Faith is simply I'm responding to Jesus and His Word, and I give Him praise because it's already done by His finished work. I'm not making it happen by my believing. I believe that He's already provided it in His finished work in Jesus' name. Rise up and. Walk. The Bible says immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. A lot of times we'll say, well, the person that came for prayer, they just didn't have faith and we put it all on the poor, the poor sick person. Not looking at me like that. I'm going to lock eyes with you, hun. Poor, poor devil. Poor devil. We got faith, you know, he'd be healed. I got faith. I'm a great man of God. I'm a saint of God. I got faith. I believe. I believe in my faith. I got faith in my faith. I believe. I believe. I believe you're going to be healed. And they still in the condition they are. And then when they, you know, leave in the same condition, you just say, oh, poor devil just hadn't, didn't have faith. You know what I'm telling you. You put the responsibility on everybody else. 
The reason why they didn't get healed is because they didn't have faith. The Bible says Peter and John gave this man his healing in the name of Jesus. And the Bible said immediately he was healed. I said immediately he was healed. And he stayed that way after he got healed. He didn't go back becoming lame the next day. He stayed healed. Come on somebody, give God praise. You know what I'm telling you the truth. You just don't like me to put it that way. Poor devil. If he had, if she had faith, she'd be healed right now. Poor devil. If he had faith, he'd be healed right now. No, 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 no. What about you? What about me? Woo! Hallelujah to the Lamb. Is God still doing this? Is He still doing this? Yeah. We have constantly, all the time, testimonies. God healed this. God. I'm talking about miraculous healing. Uh, sister in the church right now healed cancer. They diagnosed her with cancer. She was healed in the name of Jesus. Went back to the doctor and the doctor said, It's gone! Not in this church! Oh, your Johnny come lately. Don't tell me it don't happen anymore. Your Johnny come lately. You come too late to tell me that. God is still the same God today as He was then. We can't put the responsibility on everybody else. What about you? We need to understand who we are. We need to get a revelation of who we are. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, oh, can you imagine that? This man laying there, all of a sudden, boom, boom. Maybe the Bible didn't tell me, but maybe you hear popping. Those things that are out of joint become in joint. Power of God, power of Jesus Christ flowing through him. Not another God, not another God, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Peter will say. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he will say. This is not a new God. This is not another God. This is Jesus Christ himself. He's the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the one. It's glorified his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't God good? I said, isn't God good? I said, isn't God good? He's good all the time. I said He's good all the time. There ought to be miracles and signs and wonders breaking out all around you. This is a community of signs, miracles, and wonders. This is a community of spirit beings connected to Jesus Christ. This man gets healed. It's called a healing. It's called a miracle. It's a miracle of healing. First miracle of healing done in the name of Jesus in the New Testament church. The Bible says it's going to create persecution for the church and also going to create an opportunity for Peter to preach, give God praise in the house, and also an opportunity for the church to walk in more power. More power. More power. He leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. Theology couldn't get him in there. Philosophy couldn't get him in there. This impotent system called religion couldn't get him in there. 
Religion had walked by that man for 40 years. Scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. Religion walked by him for 40 years. And that religious system that was dead and impotent could not get that man in that temple. But now this new community of believers baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This new community of believers, this seed of God is now the ones is getting this man in the temple. I'm telling you, that's the way religion is today. Religion can't get you in the temple. Religion can't heal you. But a new relationship with Jesus Christ, a new birth will get you into that temple. Jesus will get you into that kingdom. This religion was impotent. It was dead. There was no power in it. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the religion of the day. How about you? Do you and I got the power of God in us? Do we understand who we are? Do we understand who Jesus is? Do we, are we fully convinced and utterly convinced about He's risen from the dead, He's alive, and I'm in the body of Christ? And I, oh, He's going to do a miracle right here. No, it won't be you doing it. It'll be, yeah, well, in a sense, it will be you. Oh, you're looking at me now like I'm in false doctrine. The Bible said the apostles did it. Well, really, what we're saying is that Jesus, in His name and through them, Working through that body. You understand what I'm telling you? But it's so, you're so connected to Him that you really can't, you really can't say. Hmm. When you look at the, the person and you look at the miracle, you can't separate the two. You can't really say Jesus did it alone. And you can't say the person did it alone. You with me today? Because when you become one with Jesus Christ, you are so in oneness with Him. According to Colossians, you are one with Him that people can't even tell who did it. You are Him. But we're always going to point to Him, of course, because we know it wasn't by our holiness or by our power. that We, uh, we know that. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Oh, it's better than you're acting. I correct you in Jesus' name. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, today this is inspiring us, but condemning us at the same time. Oh, give the Lord praise. I love you too. Hallelujah. I said, I love you too. That was out of socket, is now in socket. This man for 40 years, a type of Israel, in the wilderness, wandering in the wilderness. The 11th chapter tells you that. Uh, it tells you he was 40 years old. He's always a type of Israel. He's a type of old Israel. Hallelujah. Old Israel wandering in the wilderness. He's a picture of Israel. Crippled! They're crippled! But what Jesus did for that man, old Israel, He can do for you, old Israel. You don't have to bring a sacrifice, old Israel. If you just believe in this Jesus, He can do the same thing for you, old Israel. You're crippled. He can make you walk. You're not under the law anymore. You're in a new covenant. You wanted 40 years in wilderness in that time. Oh, you're in a new time. God God wants to take the crippled condition out of you. He wants to get you out of religion and get religion out of you. He wants to get religion out of me and religion out of you. Okay, let's go back to this. Why did they do what they do? 
these apostles? Why did they do what they do? Because of who they were. You hear what I'm telling you? They were part of the body of Christ. So they did what they did because of who they were. And they knew who they were. And they knew who Jesus was. And there was no doubt in their mind. They didn't say, I think God's going to heal you. I think God's going to cause you to walk. They didn't say, I think. They said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There was no doubt. Because they had heard the Word of God to them. God told them what He was going to do. And so they looked there and they looked and locked eyes with Him and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They didn't say, I thank you, Will. They said, rise up and walk. Grabbed Him by the hand. Pulled Him up. Come on. Come on. You need to take this for you. You need to believe this for you. You need to believe this for you. You're a part of the same body. He leaping up, stood and walked. Isn't that amazing? Entered with the, aren't you glad I'm not preaching the whole third chapter? We made it to verse 8 so far. I read the whole chapter, but I knew when I was reading it, I wasn't going to make it through the whole thing. He said, leaping up, stood and walked. And entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. He made a scene. You would too. If you just experienced something that the world, uh, come on, don't they ever saw was in a man by the name of Jesus Christ and he's continuing those works through ordinary men and you see this man leaping up and praising God and worshiping God in the temple. I guarantee you that happened to you. You'd be leaping and worshiping and praising God too. If you'd been on your back for 40 years, you'd be doing the same thing. This guy, he put on a, he, put, he made a scene. He got people's attention. Hey, isn't that that same guy that was laying down there asking alms and now has legs? How did this happen? Standing there with eyes popping out. Can't explain it with the words. Don't know how in the world this could happen like this. Oh, and he, I'm going to tell you, he, didn't do, he wasn't quiet about it at all. He was leaping and jumping and praising God, worshiping God in the temple. Maybe if you would, you know, be healed of your lameness, you can leap and worship and walk in that, get full of God, get excited about God, leap and praise God, worship God. Maybe if you would be a miracle, maybe a miracle would break out around you. But we got to heal you of your lameness. We got to get you moving with God. We say, we say, we love those apostles, don't we? We say, we love Peter and John. Yeah, we love them. No, we want to be like them. We want to be like them. You hear what I'm telling you? Say, oh, I love them. No, you want to be like them. In some cases, you don't even really like those apostles. You don't really like them because they, 
They make us feel, they make us examine ourselves and say, why did it happen in our? So in a sense, we don't like them. We say we love them. We don't even like them. We just want to be like them. But what I'm telling you right now, hallelujah to the Lamb, is that you are the body of Christ. If you had a revelation that He's the head and you're connected to Him, then you would go forth and see the same thing happen. Just get a revelation. Give the Lord praise in the house. So, anyway. Leaping and praising God. Leaping and praising God. Just like Isaiah 35 said. Look at it. Look at what it says in Isaiah 35. Hallelujah. The Lord. I'm going to preach as long as the Lord wants me to. Isaiah 35, the prophet said this. He said, when the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, he said, this is what you can expect when He comes. He Mighty God, I praise You. He said, verse 1, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy, singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen you the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness, in, in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. The lame man's going to leap as a heart. The tongue of the dumb will sing. Come on. He said, this is what you can expect when the Messiah comes. You're going to see the layman leaping as a heart. That's a fulfillment of the Scripture. Jesus has come. Messiah has come. The signs are pointing to you. It's pointing to the prophecies being fulfilled. And all the people saw Him walking and praising God. So now... This man with a beggar's mentality. This man with a tin cup mentality. Has a kingdom mentality. It's not the purpose of Jesus Christ or the church to bring you into the church and keep you begging. He brought you into church so you could get a kingdom mentality. A kingdom mentality. Instead of lameness, weeping. Instead of disability, ability. Instead of just putting a little change in your tin cup. He gave you the ability to walk out and make your own living. Make your own living. Make your own living. Hallelujah. That's what Christianity does. It doesn't come to facilitate you in irresponsibility. It doesn't come to facilitate you to give you a handout to keep you in that begging mentality. It comes to change your life. It comes to give you life. It comes to put you on your feet. It comes to give you ability in the place of disability. It gives you the ability to go out and make yourself a living. That's what Christianity is all about. Instead of lameness leaping. Instead of a ten cup mentality, a kingdom mentality. Instead of asking for alms, but giving them praise. Yeah. 
Does your church have a bread program? I'm, you know, sometimes there's a place for that. But it better be when God tells you to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm just coming to church. Jesus, God, never begin to imagine. So now, what religion couldn't do, it was impotent. God. And they knew it was He would set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They knew this beggar. They had seen him for years going through the same ritual every day of his life. And now they see this man like they have never seen him before. They see him a miracle standing before them. And he himself one moment on his back unable to walk. Now raised up with a miracle of healing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And just shortly from here, he'll quickly be taken before religious people. And religious people will question the miracle. And persecution will hit the church. Speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 set the stage for Peter to preach his first message. These early messages are so important for us to get. We need to know what Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. The sign of tongues there set the stage for him to preach that message. This miracle here set the stage for him to preach two more messages, one in chapter 3 and one in chapter 4. Come on, give God praise. What am I telling you? That you can come in here you can come in here, and I can come in here, and we can see signs and miracles and wonders breaking out all around us, and they happen all the time. But unless the Word is preached, you will remain in your sin. So Peter says, oh, oh, watch, watch, watch. I'll show you, I'll show you. When Peter stood up and preached, and I'm not going to get to it today, but when he stood up and preached Jesus Christ, you know, he could have got up and he could have said, this is a perfect opportunity to preach on divine healing. That's probably what we would have done. We got somebody healed in the name of Jesus, so we look at it. Oh, perfect time for to preach on divine healing. He didn't even mention it. Did you catch that? He didn't, he didn't preach on divine healing. He preached Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The sign is to point you away. It's not to point you to Peter and John. It's to point you away. He wasn't going back and focusing on divine healing. His focus was, I told you he's alive. And in his name, doth this man stand before you. Oh! And if you will repent and be converted, the Lord will forgive this generation that murdered the Christ of God. That's what He did. That's what He preached. He offered forgiveness to a murderous generation. A generation that should have been taken before the court of God Almighty and judged for the murder of Jesus Christ. Instead, Peter said, what you see happen to Him can happen to you. God will forgive you and make you walk. Israel. He didn't take the time to preach on divine healing. These early messages are very important for us to see and hear. And I, by God's grace, we'll get into that next week. 
Verse 10. They knew that it was He which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which was happened unto Him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, they first held Him. Now He's holding them. I'm not going to let you go. Somebody like you. There ain't no way I'm letting you go. I'm going to hold on to you. I, 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 And he, as the lame man which was healed, held Peter and John. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. They couldn't explain it. Heaven had invaded in time, eternity. Eternity had invaded in time. Heaven had invaded into the earth. How in the world could this have happened? How did this man experience this miracle of healing? And the Bible says, Peter begins to preach. And Peter saw it. He answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why are you wondering? Why are you marveling about this? You should have known. If anybody knows, you should have known this is the way your God works. All you have to do is look at your history. But you are under, you are unaware of the procedure, procedures and proceedings of God. You're not aware of how God moves. You shouldn't be wondering at this. You should know how this happened. You shouldn't be marveling at this. If anybody in the world should know it, it should be you. You have a whole history of miracles in your past. You've seen your God, the one God of the Bible. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is not a new God here. It's the same God. You ought to know the way He works. Why? See what I'm telling you? He's turning them away from the miracle. He said, don't stand there and stare at the sign. The sign's pointing you away to Jesus. You see what He's doing? He's pointing them away. He said, why are you marveling? No big deal. This happens all the time in the church. We do what we do because of who we are in Him. Pointing them away. You understand what I'm telling you? Pointing them to Jesus, the living Lord. This would have made a murderous crowd angry. Brother Patrick, how you doing, brother? You're doing good on that camera there. I like you. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Jesus Christ. Pointing them to Him. This is who it's all about. Amen. It wasn't about them getting attention or putting even attention on the sign of the wonder. The sign of the wonder was preaching a mirror, was preaching the message that Jesus is alive. And when you've got a miracle standing beside you, and you're going to take that miracle with you before a religious people called the Sanhedrin, 
made up of Pharisees and scribes. The Pharisees believed in miracles and they believed in the resurrection of the dead. But the, the, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead or miracles either one. Pharisees believed in angels. Sadducees didn't even believe in angels. And you got a miracle standing beside you and you participated in the murder of Jesus and it was in the name of Jesus that caused this man to rise up and walk. And you had just murdered him? It would make you very uncomfortable if you had just murdered the Christ of God. And by the Christ of God, this man stands before you whole. You would become very uncomfortable. So we got to do something with you now. We crucified the Christ of God a few days ago. A little over 50 days ago. Now we got to get rid of you. We have to kill you. Because you're a testimony to the reality of the living Lord Jesus. And His continual working through His body in the church. And you are making us extremely uncomfortable. A real move of God will always make religious people very uncomfortable. Do you know who you are? Do you know who He is? When they see you, when they see you, they've never seen anybody like you. You're a completely new species. You're a new nation, a new kingdom with a true king of kings over your life, the true Lord. You're completely and totally convinced that He's alive and you're willing to even die for Him. And miracles and signs and wonders will break out all over you, around you all the time. God will tell you things you didn't know on your own when He wants to. And He'll heal when He wants to. And when people see you, you shouldn't say, hmm, I'm really holy. I'm really powerful. You should say, it's not what I can do or it's not who I am. It's what He did and who He is. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Glory be to God. And He's still working today the same way. And if you're religious, He's going to make you very uncomfortable. Hallelujah. In closing, I remember the first... God bless all of our guests here today. The first time I ever went to a Jesus name Pentecostal church, it made me very, very uncomfortable. I was very, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Me and my religious self. Walking in there, going to critique everything they're doing. Critique. Try to critique speaking in tongues. Critique their worship. Critique their preaching. Just criticize. That's why I went to criticize. To find wrong and fault. Guess what happened to me? <laughs> I is one now. Hallelujah. And the whole time I was there sitting on that pew, I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank God. Aren't you glad now? 
Aren't you glad you're a part of the family of God? Aren't you glad you're a part of the kingdom of God? That you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And you have the power of attorney and the legal right to use His name. Don't be intimidated. Don't be ashamed. Go forth. It won't be you that does it anyway. You can't heal. I can't. It'll be God through you. And when they see it happen, they won't be able to separate the two. Amen. Aren't you excited? I love you. I love you. By God's grace, I'll, I'll get to preach on what Peter preached last uh, at, in chapter 3. Next Sunday, 